The Daily Tap is live for Monday. We have a great show today. We're going to talk about why the Green Bay Packers might be the sleeping giant of the NFC. We're going to also talk about the game itself, the big win against the Washington football team. We'll do the star ratings. We'll talk offense. We'll talk defense. The whole shebang. We will mention the Badgers' nice win against Purdue. We'll also talk about the Bucks' good win against San Antonio and a look ahead to the week that is for the Milwaukee Bucks, as it is a loaded one. But we have to start with the Green Bay Packers. And even before we do that, just remember, rate, review, subscribe on the podcast. Follow us on the social medias, Tapping the Keg Sports, on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and then on Twitter, Tapping the Keg, only because we can't add the sports. Take that up with Twitter. I don't know what to tell you. But we'd really appreciate all the support. I know a lot of you already do that. But we'd love to see more of you. I'd love to see more of you guys hang out in the Twitter space. It's a great time. We didn't have a ton of people today. That's okay. Um, I'm going to be doing, I think I might do a space for the Wednesday Bucks game. Because it's the Hornets. Get ready for that Arizona game. I don't know. It just seems like a good one to do. Oh, no. They're playing the Timberwolves. They're not playing the Hornets. I don't think they're playing the Hornets. They're playing the Timberwolves. We probably won't do one for the Timberwolves. Uh, I've Like I said, I'm sticking at the playoff teams. So maybe the one on Utah just as like a... Sunday night, make some jokes at Kirk Cousins type of thing because that'll be fun. Because Kirk Cousins on prime time is an automatic bet against. You just bet against Kirk Cousins on prime time. That's that's what you do. It's how you have to live your life. It'll feel good. You we're all gonna Kirk Cousins Halloween night is gonna be something special. Anyways, let's get to the Green Bay Packers. I think the Green Bay Packers are the sleeping giant of the NFC right now. Green Bay is 6-1, and one, and I don't think anybody cares. I think people don't think it's legit. I think because Green Bay is not winning in a dominant fashion, it somehow makes their six wins worse. That just, they, just because they have six wins doesn't mean anything. Just because they are one of the best teams right now by record in the NFC and in the NFL... It doesn't matter because these wins aren't the prettiest of the bunch. They're not smoke shows by any mean. But at the end of the day, a win is a win. They always say that, right? And Green Bay is doing it in so many different ways that I think you have to take them seriously. I think you have to understand that this is not the same Packer team of the last two years. Packer team from two years ago was a team that never seemed to find their offense and they always were catching breaks. And LaFleur and Rodgers weren't entirely there on the same page. The defense was suspect at best. And it was never really a connected unit. The unit was not this one heartbeat, this one drum. That that did not necessarily feel like it was with the 2019 Packers. And then you kind of saw... The smoke and mirrors get revealed when the Green Bay Packers lost by a significant amount to the San Francisco 49ers. I forget the score of that game. I kind of try to forget that it even happened. So then we get next year, the year after. Green Bay looks way more sharp. The Aaron Rodgers renaissance is really what 2020 is. Aaron Rodgers comes back to life and it's like, oh my God, this is the old Rodgers. This is the Rodgers that all of us grew up on. This is the Rodgers that won MVPs. This is the Rodgers that was being put in the GOAT conversations. That Aaron Rodgers comes back. And the Green Bay Packers look sharp. But they also, you know, don't necessarily 
have the defense to maybe get them all the way. Although I will stand by this, and I, I think people think I'm crazy, but Green Bay does win the Super Bowl if David Bakhtiari doesn't tear his ACL. Like, I hope we all understand that. As Packer fans, I think we should. Injuries are a part of games. Don't get me wrong, right? Like, I'm not, it's not a sour grapes thing. It's just facts. Green Bay would not have lost Tampa Bay if Bakhtiari is at left tackle. They had so much trouble with the Tampa Bay pass rush, and the line fell apart. And that was a real issue in that game. And Bakhtiari's there, it doesn't happen. And then the problems that Kansas City had in, in the game against Tampa would have been prevalent with the Green Bay Packers. Green Bay had a pass rush with the Smith brothers. Green Bay was able to move the ball with that offense. And they would have been able to do all right against Kansas City. And so I think Green Bay was robbed a Super Bowl because of an injury. But they all, and they all know that in the locker room. I don't talk to them. I'm not doing Aaron Rodgers shows. I'm not Pat McAfee. But I think that there is a mental fortitude about this team. And they know that everybody is sleeping on them right now. They know that, I don't even want to say they're disrespected because that I, that gets thrown around too much. But people aren't paying attention to them because they're not doing anything very flashy. Arizona is much sexier. The Cowboys being revived is a huge national story. Los Angeles having one of the best teams in football is a big fucking deal. And Arizona being 7-0, Arizona is a highlight real team. We called what? The Charlotte Hornets, the House of Highlights team when we were doing the NBA preview. I think that was, we said that, right? I think we did. We talked about that. Oh, they're great for social media. I think Bill Simmons and they called the House of Highlights. It doesn't matter. We call that the Hornets are great for social media, but we're unsure if the Hornets are actually good. I don't know. They're 3-0 actually this year right now. They beat Brooklyn on the road. That plus nine was about as easy as it could get, by the way. Why they were a nine-point dog against Brooklyn was beyond me. But that's here nor there. Arizona is the Charlotte Hornets of, of football. They are all flash. They are sexy as fuck. They are that Instagram model that you hope has an OnlyFans too. Like that's what Arizona is right now. The fact is, is the Packers aren't that right now. Packers used to be. That used to be the Green Bay Packers. That The early 2010s, we saw that with the Green Bay Packers. There's no real storyline with Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers, the whole trade stuff is gone. It's out the fucking window. So Green Bay is weirdly boring. And because they're boring... No one wants to talk about him. And Green Bay will have an opportunity on Thursday to make people talk about him. Green Bay has an opportunity to establish themselves as the favorites in the NFC for the next few weeks. They have Arizona this week. Then it's Kansas City the following week. And they get a they're, it's a pretty advantageous game for them. Even though it's on the road, it's a 10-day lag for the Packers from playing. Kansas City will be on a short week. They play a Monday night game against the New York Giants this coming week. So they're going to be on a short week while the Packers are on a long week. Then they play Seattle. Now Seattle could be throwing the kitchen sink out there. It's Russell Wilson's going to be returning from the IR. But you do remember that Russell Wilson and Lambeau go about as good together as Russell Wilson actually being genuine for once in his fucking life. It doesn't work. It doesn't happen. He struggles there mightily. 
We'll see about Minnesota and then Los Angeles. And by the way, Matt Stafford, look at his numbers at Lambeau. I understand that this is the best team Matt Stafford's had that's playing in Lambeau. But the Rams, Thanksgiving weekend, that's going to be a fucking cold game. They're not ready for that. Green Bay has a chance to take control of the NFC in the next month. And right now, I don't think people are understanding in the national level. I think locally, we get it. But Green Bay could be a giant. And then all of a sudden, everybody's talking about Green Bay heading into December. And can they finally finish it? Can they get past that NFC Championship game hump? Will Green Bay go undefeated in this time frame? Probably not. I mean, could they? Sure. It's football. But if they go 4-1, and one, it's still awesome. That is still an awesome stretch, even if they lose Thursday night. If they lose Thursday night, but then they beat Kansas City, Seattle, Minnesota, Los Angeles, I am fine. In all honesty, and weird as it sounds, even though I think social media would tell you differently, I would. Ra- I, Kansas City is the game I'd want them to lose. Out of all those games, Kansas City is the one I'd want them to lose. If I had to choose one, Arizona, NFC West tiebreak. You have the tiebreaker then against Arizona in the playoffs. Los Angeles, same deal. Minnesota, division, just like beating the fucking Vikings. Seattle, again, if you need a tiebreaker. I don't think you'll need a tiebreaker against Seattle, but as we talked about in some Rivals podcasts we did, Seattle's a rival. You want to beat your rival. So then it leaves Kansas City, and it's like, if you lose to Kansas City, it's really not a big deal. It's not. It, it, it's no skin off the back. Like it's just like, whatever. That, that's not going to affect you likely with the tiebreakers. So if we look at it from a pure tiebreaker perspective, losing to Kansas City does the least amount of damage. I would say that Arizona or the Rams do the most amount of damage when it comes to tiebreakers because they're going to be right with you at the end. But no one is talking about Green Bay, and I absolutely love it. I love lying in the weeds. I love that there is going to be a realization in the national media whether it's that Arizona game, whether it's Kansas City, it might even take till fucking Los Angeles. And they go, oh, the Packers are pretty fucking good. And it's like, yeah, we know this. And yeah, the offense might not be entirely there, but they're surely going to get there very soon. As for the game against the Washington football team, the Green Bay Packers didn't look ahead. I was worried all week that the Green Bay Packers were looking ahead. I didn't do the betting preview uh, just because timing was a bitch it was a bad week for me for the podcast and the blog and everything truth truth be told but the Packers didn't look ahead and I was worried all week that that was going to be a problem I had the game against San Francisco in my head all or I'm sorry Minnesota in my head all week because if you remember last year they had a big Thursday night game against San Francisco even though San Francisco wasn't good there was still like payback on the brain And Green Bay had to play Minnesota at home. Now, no one was in the stands. COVID was really hitting Green Bay hard. So there was nobody around. Winds were swirling. And because there was no juice in the stadium, there was winds that were just flying around and had no fan protection. So it made it even harder on the players. The Packers lost that Minnesota team. And it was poorly officiated. Remember, Alex Kemp did an awful job. There were some bad calls in that one. But that was besides the point. So Packers lost to the Vikings that day. And it was a pure look-ahead spot to San Francisco. 
And this is the mental toughness part we had talked about in the open. Green Bay did not let the Arizona showdown. That will be, it's really the premier game of the week. It kicks us off. It's an amazing, it'll be an amazing sports week with two World Series games. Then we get Packers, Cardinals. There are so many good college football games on that Saturday. Then you get a few good ones on, on Sunday as well. So to me, like everybody knows this was going to be a premier game. Pa- everybody on the Packers knew that. And they didn't let it stop them against Washington. And that was a really encouraging thing to see. They didn't look sluggish. They didn't look like they they didn't want to be here. None of that. They focused on their job and got it done against the football team, which was really great to see. The defense, man, I've been pumping up this defense that I think the defense is kind of good. I think they're better than what DVOA tells us. And I believe it even more. I mean, they've had so many issues in the red zone. And you knew at some point that they would kind of fall back. Like you knew that at some point it was going to break their way. And it finally did. The Taylor Heineke nightmare around the goal line would keep me up at night if I was a football team fan. That easily could have changed the game entirely. And I think it did. To me, like that is the turning point. That is the entire turning point of this game. Is if Heineke gets in the end zone there... It's it's a brand new ball game, and who knows what happens the rest of the way. But he didn't, and Green Bay stopped him, and that got Green Bay a little bit of confidence. It kind of warmed up that piss a little bit. That piss started to run hot, and then all of a sudden, Green Bay was monsters in the red zone. They were forcing turnovers. They were, you know, making fourth down stops. They were playing with a little bit more fire down here instead of this like, oh shit, we're just gonna give up another touchdown. It was really well done by not only the guys on the field, but also the coaches on the bench. Joe Barry did some things that made sure to keep those guys out of the end zone. And that is an encouraging sign going forward. I understand Washington's offense is not what Arizona or Kansas City will be in the next couple weeks. But it's still nice to see the Green Bay Packers figure out the red zone a little bit and start coming to life. And that to me is... encouraging sign going forward and hopefully there's stuff from this game they can take for Thursday for next the Sunday after and just start applying it to each and every week when you get down to the red zone the only real feedback negatively I had on the defense was the quarterback runs Taylor Heineke rushed for 95 yards in this game Taylor Heineke got loose a few different times now I tend to think this is probably because of the scheme they were playing they were playing mostly man. They never decided to put a spy on the quarterback. I will tell you right now, it would be very Dom Capers of Joe Barry to not put a spy for Kyler Murray. There has to be a spy. This is why you gave Devondre Campbell a paycheck. I wouldn't say you gave him big money. You gave him a paycheck. He is the rangy linebacker that you wanted. So either it's Campbell or it's Warren Burks. Now you're like, Warren Burks? Warren Burks, to me, is the fastest linebacker that Green Bay has. So you're going to need a fast linebacker to stay with the spy for Kyler Murray. Because you cannot let Kyler Murray get loose like Taylor Heineke did. Because Kyler Murray will rush for 150 yards. Not even kidding. Like, he will have a Kaepernick-like day. And I'm going to worry about it because we've seen it. The, the history with Green Bay and dual-threat quarterbacks is not kind to the team we cheer for. So they need to do a better job with the quarterbacks. 
And that to me too is rush lanes. Like making sure that you're not opening up these lanes for the quarterback to be like, all right, I'll just slide through. We saw what Aaron Rodgers did a couple times as well. Like you cannot have that stuff open. You have to make sure it's shut down and you have people going right at the quarterback. I'm not saying that in a malicious way, just that you have people that are assigned to that quarterback as a runner because that's how Kyler Murray should be treated. I Taylor Heineke wasn't, that adjustment wasn't made. I guess the only defense for that would be that they just felt like whatever, we'll give it that to him. We'd rather have him beat him with the have him rather have him beat us with his legs than have it be the other way around. I don't know. What whatever it may be, we, we don't have an answer for that. Last thing on the defense before we move to the offense. The Packers are at their best when their pass rush is cooking. Second half, you started to see the pass rush get going. They hit the quarterback nine times in this game. They were aggressive. There was a lot of Rashawn Gary. There was some Kensley Kike. There was some Dean Lowry. Kenny Clark, obviously a game wrecker. He didn't have as good of a game as he did against Chicago. But still, Kenny Clark was involved. And that is when Green Bay is really good defensively, is when they are going after that quarterback. And I can't emphasize it enough to not get scared of what Kyler Murray can do with his feet. You just got to play patient. You just got to play contain. I worry about Preston Smith in that role. But I'm not going to say, I don't want Joe Barry to sag off. Like I don't want Joe Barry to stop pass rushing. Because when Green Bay rushes the quarterback and gets a little bit of heat, they're hard. They're really hard to beat defensively, guys. Like, I hope you understand that. That it, this isn't just me being a homer. It's what I'm seeing with my own two eyes. Offensively, it's been a struggle. It hasn't been great. I still think this offense is going to come to life at one point. And I don't know if it needs David Bakhtiari to be back. I don't know if it needs Marquez Valdez-Scantling to be back. Whatever it is, it will come. There will be a week where all of a sudden... It's like Green Bay is the team of last year. Green Bay is the team of 2010, 2011. Like that team will come through at some point. I just don't know when. Again, to that Sleeping Giants point of they have all the tools to be extremely successful offensively. And I think the offensive line has been a problem recently. I think Rodgers isn't getting enough time to throw. So that's creating some problems. And I don't know if the reliability of getting open is there for some dudes. Like you saw it today a little bit with Lazard and Tunyon, but it hasn't necessarily been always easy for Aaron Rodgers. And I think some of that is defensive coaches are catching up with Matt LaFleur's scheme a little bit. And Matt LaFleur needs to kind of keep innovating, keep finding new things to go against these guys. And that's why I think you see guys like Mercedes Lewis get involved. That's why... I think you see a drive that is just basically Alan Lazard because Alan Lazard, A, is a reliable receiver. And I think the Packers believe in every single receiver in that room. And that, I don't think you could say always about Aaron Rodgers' career. Aaron Rodgers has issues with with rookie rookie receivers. Now, none of these guys are rookies, but still, some of them are young guys and Rodgers has all the trust in the world. This offense is going to find itself. Who knows when, but it will find itself. Lastly, on the offense, I just don't understand the lack of running the football. My only like kind of half-baked theory on it is that they are going to run a lot against Arizona. 
Arizona is not good against the run. That is their one weakness. They cannot stop anybody on the ground. So it's almost like a cat and mouse game with LaFleur to say, all right, we are going to keep our Ferraris in the garage, or really a Ferrari in our Jeep, because A.J. Dillon's not a Ferrari. He's like a Jeep. We're keeping our, our Ferrari and Jeep in the garage. We're only going to kind of rev the engine a little bit. And then on Thursday, we're releasing those fuckers into the wild, and they are going to create havoc. I could easily see that happening. I would love Aaron Jones over props. Same with A.J. Dillon on Thursday because I think both have an opportunity to just have a massive game against Arizona. And if you're like, Charlie, you're thinking about this too much, I don't know, man. LaFleur is a psycho. LaFleur is a weird duck. And I could see him saying, all right, let's do this mostly with pass. Washington struggles against the pass. And let's see if we can win this game just really passing the football and kind of taking the ball away from our running back's hands, which I know probably doesn't make Aaron Jones very happy. But again, a win is a win. Sometimes you just have to make sacrifices even when you're one of the dudes. Five stars. Oh, yeah. Should explain before I get into it. Five stars to one star. Best and worst players for the Packers. It's rated like you would rate a restaurant. Talked a little bit about Rashawn Gary just a second ago. He's a five-star guy for this game. Uh, two sacks, four quarterback hits, a forced fumble. Look, if Rashawn Gary gets that edge the way that he did on that strip sack of Heineke and he does that consistently, everybody's in trouble. Everybody's in trouble. It is not going to be pretty. He is going to create some true chaos in the backfield. And that is exactly what I think all of us want to see. And he's going to make a lot of people delete tweets. A lot of people who were questioning why they took Rashawn Gary with the 12th pick are going to be asking themselves questions and having to just go through and make sure the Twitter account is clean. Because my guy Jordan Love Bookmarks is coming for you. Bookmarks, he finds your tweets. So you got to be careful. So clean those up. Before, before it's too late. Because Rashawn Gary has been wrecking shit. And this was sort of the first game where we actually saw it in the stat sheet. The video guys who think they're more important than they are have been telling us this for a while. And now Gary actually did it on the stat sheet. Red zone defense was discussed, but you can't say enough about it. It is a really encouraging sign going forward. You need to keep that up, though. You can't revert back to this team that was a sieve. You have to at least show some resistance. Aaron Rodgers also gets five stars for me. I thought Aaron Rodgers was really good in this game. He only had nine incompletions. He was 27 of 36. He had three touchdowns, 276 yards. I thought this was one of the better Rodgers games that he has played. Even though it didn't maybe show up in the stat sheet because it's only 24 points. There wasn't one like massive deep ball. He had that great pass to Adams. It might have been a better catch by Fonte. But Rodgers did what was asked of him. He didn't overdo it. He didn't try to make the big play. He was just taking what the defense gave him. And that is my favorite version of Aaron Rodgers because it leads to bigger plays later. Maybe not even that game. Maybe it's after the team had scouted and then there's a big opportunity presenting itself the week after. So good game from Aaron Rodgers. He continues to kind of look like an MVP. I think the MVP race right now is wide open. I 
think it's right now Kyler Murray's to lose, but you can make a case for Stafford. You can make a case. Derrick Henry, I think, has to be considered with what he's doing on a regular basis, and it's kind of brought the Titans back from the dead. So you have to give him. I think Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow definitely deserves some MVP candidacy. So does Derek Carr. It's a weird fucking year. So I, I think all those candidates are on the table, including our guy here in Green Bay. Four stars. Packers defensive lineman not named Kenny Clark. Now, this is not a disrespect to Mr. Clark. I love Kenny Clark. Kenny Clark always brings it. But we really have not seen the defensive line until the last couple weeks start to have their piss hot too. And Dean Lowry and Kensley Kike, really good games from both of them. Um, they, They were involved with a lot of different plays. Lowry with the big recovery. Kike had one and a half sacks. Lowry, I think, got to the quarterback once. Dean Lowry has played like a man possessed the last few weeks, and it's really welcome to see. I don't know what changed. Maybe it was battle and injury. Maybe he just finally saw something that unlocked it all on film. But Dean Lowry has been an integral part of the Packers' success for the last few weeks. Also, TJ Shelton got a block punt. I love TJ Shelton. He would eat a football in an instant. Other four stars, Lazard and Robert Tunyon. Lazard keeps kind of humming along. I I had a friend of mine say Lazard needs to take full advantage of the time MVS is out if he actually wants a contract next season, whether it's from the Packers or some other team. And he couldn't have been more right because we didn't really see it from Lazard these first couple games. And then Chicago, there were some signs. And then again in this one where he just found himself open. And Lazard weirdly can be... A skinny tight end. I know that's weird, but because the way he blocks and the body frame and that, yeah, he's not entirely that quick. You can kind of use him in those tight end designed pass plays. And I wonder if that's what they did a little bit today. Because it seemed like Alan Lazard was always there for a short catch. And that was really nice. And it was good to see that he got a touchdown also. Robert Tunyon, first good game of the year for him. If this continues, I mean, that adds an entire different element. They need that third guy. They really need the second guy. And Cobb, I think, was that second guy for a couple weeks. But now I I flip it back to Lazard. You now need that third guy. And, and Aaron Jones could be that second guy too. But you just need Tunyon to kind of... He doesn't have to be as good as he was last year. But at least... You know, someone who's doing what he did today. Four catches, 63 yards. Oh, yeah, he got a touchdown, too. That's great. Four for 63 and a touchdown. I think we will always take out of our tight ends. Three stars. It's a weird one because I didn't really have one. I just said the NFC logjam. It's more just my frustration with the how it'll all go because... I think you're going to see Arizona get a bunch of smoke. I think you're going to see Dallas, even though they're on bye, everyone will get excited about Dallas, especially because Dallas is on primetime next week. So whatever happens in that game, that is cell block A. Like we are talking about Dallas in the first 10 minutes of the show, whether it's in positive or negative spirits. And then LA, we we know what that is. But this isn't necessarily media attention. It's more... Just my frustration that you can't break away right now. That you can't necessarily 
find a path to be like, all right, this is going to kind of even itself out. Because you look at these teams and you're like, they're really good. Like Arizona, Los Angeles, Dallas, I think are all very good teams. And I want to rank them with Mitch and rank how we feel like the Packers would do against them uh, when when I'm in with Mitch later this week. But like in Tampa, we didn't even mention. That's the funny thing. I didn't mention Tampa Bay. Like right now, there are five teams with zero or one loss in the NFC. Guess how many are in the AFC? None. There are six teams with two losses right now. And then the other ones have three and then four. So they're much uglier in the AFC than the NFC. But if you look at some schedules and you're like, all right, how, what happens here? Where does Arizona go? If you do Mike and the Mad Dog with Arizona, I think they're going to lose to the Packers. Not only because I'm a homer, just because I, I think they are, Packers are a better team. So that's seven and one. 49ers, complete dumpster fire, 8-1. Panthers, 9-1. At the Seahawks, Russell Wilson back, still kind of trying to get that back in there. I'll go 9-2. Bears, December, Justin Fields starting to feel it. Cold weather, potential look-ahead spot to a home Monday night game against the Rams. That will be a premier game, maybe 9-3. Rams at home. They, they they may have figured something out with the Rams. 10-3, Lions. 11-3, a fun game with the Colts on, on Christmas. That actually is a sneaky, sneaky good game. Colts, I'll say this about the Colts. Colts are not a bad team to watch on, on uh, like a Sunday night, Monday night game. Because Carson Wentz, you just never know what you're going to get. Like he does not slide. He took a, a fucking hard ass hit. He tries to do way too much out there. Michael Pittman's fun. Their defense is good with Quetty Pay and Darius Leonard and Xavier Rhodes has kind of been good recently. Like they got dudes. I don't know. Jonathan Taylor too. Like I like I like watching the Colts. I'll just be the one to say it. Yeah, they have a tough finish though, Arizona. Colts, Cowboys, and Seahawks. We don't need to go through every team. And but it's it's just interesting to figure out where this nets out. Like I need the playoff predictor because there there's a lot of ways this can go. We are still so early yet it's November. Like it feels like we should, and maybe it's just, it was one game. And I, I heard the part of my take guys talk about this where it's like, it was a part of my take or Peter Schrager. I can't remember who it was, but it's like, it, even though it's one game, it still feels like a canyon because it's eight, we're, it's fucking week eight next week. And I don't think anybody knows who's like the premier contenders in terms of like the number one team. And that's why I went to the Packers and the Sleeping Giant. So I really think we have to wait till December or middle of November to be like, here's how it's going to break out. Here's how it's going to look. But yeah, very interesting to say the least. Moving on to the two stars. Two-star goes to the Packer offensive line. Look, I could give the one-star to that, but I will give a two-star just because it wasn't as terrible the entire game. I felt like the interior got their lunch eaten regularly. I understand there's been a lot of good Lucas Patrick stories, but Lucas Patrick is kind of that sixth lineman. He's a great dude. He seems like a dude I'd love to hang out with. And yet, I don't think Lucas Patrick is a starter in the NFL. 
I don't think Royce Newman, although Runyon, I think, had more problems than Royce Newman. They need to kind of figure that out. I know it's partly due to the Bakhtiari injury. I would be really surprised if he plays against Arizona. I think Kansas City is much more realistic for Bakhtiari. But that guy knows his body better than me. If he decides he wants to play, all right, fuck it. Have him out there. And it's going to be tough if they don't have Bakhtiari with that Arizona pass rush. That offensive line has gotten a little bit exposed. I think, and and when I say exposed, I don't mean it in the sense of like, everybody's figured something out. I, I just think there's enough tape now on this combination that they know what beats them. And we saw the Bears do a little bit of it. We saw Washington do it. Cincinnati really was the the starter of that all. And last three weeks have been kind of brutal for the line. So hopefully they can get better. doesn't get any easier with Arizona on Thursday night, especially if you don't have Bakhtiari. Last two with one stars, Henry Black. I thought I liked Henry Black. I, I Guy brings the lumber, but... My goodness, he was out of position way too much. Just was a complete nightmare as the dime corner. Um, definitely should not be a part of the plans going forward. Uh, he was given a chance, didn't work out. I know Vernon Scott, I think, is still hurt. But hopefully Vernon Scott gets an opp- gets that opportunity for what Black did because he was terrible. He was awful in this one. And then the no running game just was sucked. Run the ball that's what makes the Packers good. And I swear to God, if I was right about this whole LaFleur was keeping them in the garage thing, A, I'm just going to wag my dick on it and play it back for everybody. But B, I'm just going to be like, you're such a psycho, Matt. Like, you just can't necessarily not look ahead. But we all do, right? I, I always will get creep myself and be like, Okay, what game could get flexed? Is this is there are, is NBC going to stay with this? I nerd out about that shit all the time. And like you look at a team like Arizona, right, or a team like Cincinnati, where it's like we got to probably get them on primetime a little bit more and kind of make sure that they're prominently featured as we continue to grow the game. And you can say all you want about the NFL front office and how slick Goodell and crew are. But they, they always seize on those opportunities. Those opportunities always seem to find themselves and they they jump on them when the timing is right. Let's move on from star ratings to the Wisconsin Badgers, Milwaukee Bucks rapid fire before we head out of here. My note on Wisconsin, so 30-13 to 13 win against Purdue. Um, Purdue's score was a fumble return by their very talented defensive end. Um, and that was it. So Purdue really lost that game 30-7. to It's not for that play. Purdue, Purdue doesn't have it, and they lose 30-7. to It was a classic letdown spot. The Badgers took advantage of it. Braylon Allen is going to be so fucking special. I understand Ches Malusi rushed for 149 and had 27 carries, but Braylon Allen, 12 carries, 140 yards. He broke a big one in this game as well. Braylon Allen is going to be a real problem for not only Big Ten, but college football. And he's only 17 years old. That's absolutely absurd. I I almost refuse to believe that he is only 17 years old. And the guy just continues to ball out. He continues to be very impressive. And the combination of him and Malusi felt like an old school Badgers win. Mertz only passed the ball eight times. 
And when Graham Mertz has the ball out of his hands, life is just better in general. So I think they're finally starting to, to figure out what they, they can do with the, with their running attack, with Malusi, with Bra- Braylon Allen. And that that makes them really tough to beat. And like we said, they control their own destiny, as weird as it sounds. But if they beat Iowa, they are in the driver position for the Big Ten West, which would be absolutely crazy. And I think there will be people... I, this tape will be out there this year if that happens. That, oh, we should get away with conferences and it should be just the two best teams like the Big 12 does it. Because the East has four really solid teams. Has four teams that are vying for a playoff spot. Maybe Penn State a little bit less now that they lost that embarrassing one to Illinois. But the other three are right in the fucking mix. Does it end up being this narrative of like, well, why can't Ohio State and Michigan State play in the Big Ten title game? They have to play Wisconsin instead? That doesn't seem fair. So we'll see. But yeah, Wisconsin controls their own destiny. So we'll see if they're able to get that done against Iowa, which should be a a very good game. The over-under is set at 36. The Badgers are favored by three. 36 is about as low as I've seen it. That's almost too low, where then it's like out of principle, you have to take the over. But man, sitting with an over ticket for a Badger Illinois game would not make me feel good. I'm supposed to be there. We'll see if that that happens. If I am, I'll obviously let everybody know. We'll we'll hook it up. We'll make sure that we're getting we're capturing it on the gram as I as I need to. I have a great Chuck's Chuck's corner slash cross promotion about Instagram. Not tonight, maybe tomorrow. Um, that really just bums me out <laughs> altogether. But that's, that's here or there. We'll talk about it tomorrow. Um, as for the Milwaukee Bucks, it was, you know, here, here was the thing with that game. So they beat the San Antonio Spurs 121-111. I wouldn't say it was an easy win by the Bucks. It was back and forth. But every time the Bucks needed a three-pointer, every time they needed a three-pointer, they hit it. Now, they were only 15-35 from three. So they, it wasn't like they were just absolutely raining them in. But every time the Spurs seemed to get close in the fourth quarter, it was like, okay, now it's a three-pointer. Like McDermott hit one. I forget where. I think they might have got down four, might have got down five. Chris Middleton, next possession, three-pointer. Boom. We're right back in it. McDermott, who is on fire. He had seven threes in this game. McDermott hits another big shot later. Then it's Pat Connaughton coming through with the game winner that put Milwaukee up seven with about three or four minutes to go. And that is demoralizing for other teams. And it's fun as fuck as, as someone who cheers for the Bucks. Because they are able to basically dagger teams left and right. And they are not going to let teams sneak back in. And once they get their grasp on you, it's hard to get away. And you have to love that as a Bucks fan. I really also like George Hill. Played well. Now, I know George Hill resides in San, San Antonio. They did a big team event with him uh, yesterday. So hopefully... The mind's right for George, for George Hill. Hopefully it wasn't just a revenge game against the Spurs. But you never know with that type of stuff. You just never know 
It was a good one, though, for George. As for a look ahead for the Milwaukee Bucks and what they have sort of on tap, they have Indiana tonight. Uh, maybe we'll do a little bit of an extended Bucks topic for Tuesday's show. They have Minnesota, not Charlotte, like I'd said earlier. They play Minnesota. T-Wolves are cooking early on this season. Could get to 3-0 tonight. They play the Pels, um, and the Pels are an absolute mess. And Timberwolves are well-coached all of a sudden. So I'm not going to... Not going to take that one too lightly. And then San Antonio at home on on Saturday. Bucks return the favor. Should be a wild night in the city of Milwaukee because you have Halloween weekend. You have Bucks Spurs. If people stay, start drinking for Badgers, Iowa, could be a very ugly day in the city of Milwaukee. And the weather is supposed to be nice too. That helps. And then you get Utah on Sunday night. I hate that the Bucks play a ton of Sunday games. Um, this one, though, is all right because Buck, the Packers don't play. It'll be at 6 o'clock. It's actually kind of the perfect time to have a Sunday game because 6 o'clock means no football. You're just ending the witching hour of the late game. So you could throw on the Bucks on the small screen or throw them on the large screen while you have red zone on the small screen. Then after that's over, you get a gap of interrupted basketball and then by halftime of the Sunday night game you have the Bucks finishing off Utah and they've Utah has been a thorn in their side they got swept by Utah last year hopefully the Bucks can come through and you know actually beat the Jazz it'd be nice to beat the Jazz they are they're a very good team though and they're always a good regular season team they always put up a fight um Giannis has had some big ones against Utah in the past though he had 50 if you remember a couple of Decembers ago. I think it was December before the pandemic, right? Yeah, I think so. But yeah, that was that was a good one from Giannis. And he hasn't really had a premier... Well, I take it back. I was going to say he hasn't really had a premier game. Like he had 32 and 14 and 7 against Brooklyn. So I think Giannis has had that premier game um, already. But, you know, I think there are some maybe concerned about minutes. I know Holiday played 34. I think he played 30, and then Giannis played 35. Middleton played 35. I have no problem with the minutes, the rotations, any of that shit right now. I am just wa- I'm just watching basketball. I am a casual observer. I think with how the Bucks, you know, won the championship, I don't think anyone's worried about that. I don't think anyone is concerned about what Bud is doing and how Bud might be setting us up for failure or anything like that. I don't think there is any sort of negative energy within within what the Bucks are doing right now. So you, you love to see it. You love that the vibes are good. The vibes are, are feeling all right. And that hopefully they can continue it with a solid week. Four games in the early part of the season is never fun. But let's hope for a 3-1 a weekend. Actually, Giannis only played 30 minutes. Middleton played 35. Holiday played 25. So I think that's a, a case of Giannis had said, you know, knee is not entirely there, a little out of shape. I think that's kind of what you're seeing right now with some of the minutes for Bud and some of the rotations. So be easy on that, Bucks fans. I don't think it's anything worth getting too upset about. Mitch and I will be doing the show on Tuesday night. So we'll do first week overreactions, first week thoughts, just see where our heads are at with the Bucks. We'll also talk about the Arizona Packers showdown and who knows what else. Um, we'll we'll find topics, trust me. We all we always do. All right, that does it for today's show. We'll be back tomorrow with another Daily Tap. 
See you guys later.